Welcome back to the Jackass Critics Podcast. As you know, if you listen to the first part of the Jackass Critics Podcast, this is the main event. Ding, ding, ding. And for the main event, we, Matt and myself, will be having an in-depth discussion on the movie Dress to Kill, filmed by... Brian De Palma. Mr. Brian De Palma. We had to pick one from his uh, extensive repertoire, and uh, this is what we settled on. Mm -hmm. And it came out on Blu-ray very recently. That was one of the reasons we chose it. There was a chance we may have gotten it on Blu-ray as a screener. We didn't. We decided to do it anyway, though. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely wanted to hit De Palma, and uh, if I remember correctly, this is the one one of the ones that neither one of us had ever seen before. Correct. Uh, and we both thought it held some promise. So uh, thought it held a lot of promise. Yeah. yeah, I was I was very excited to see it, and I will say that both of us watched the unrated version. So some of our commentary will also be unrated as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I just Mom, want to throw that out. I there. love you, but you probably want to tune out. Uh, and I was creeped out thinking of the fact that. My mom might have watched this at some point as well, by the way, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just hope she didn't watch it in Italy or, or someplace like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, uncut, unrated friendly, yeah. Yeah, but even yeah. at that, this, some of the scenes still held up. <sighs> and yeah. also, spoiler alert, if you are a dressed-to-kill virgin, we will be going in like a purple-headed battering ram onto your <laughs> dressed-to-kill hymen, so <laughs> wow. we are going to be spoiling it all over the place. You say we're going to go unrated ourselves, and then you just jump right in with yeah. both, both feet down. Good work, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to be talking about some stuff real quick, uh, real, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Let's, and one thing I will say, too, in, in past podcasts, we have gone through a synopsis of the film. Instead, we will be using the film's timeline as our guide to talk about the film. So we'll be going through it in about seven sections I have here on my yeah, list. Yeah, and maybe at the end, if there's anything that's of interest or that we want to tie together, <clears throat> you know, we'll right. touch on it then. But just kind of as we saw the movie, our impressions and uh, reflections and whatnot. So, you know, try a different approach, see what everybody thinks. Right, right. You know? So to open the film, wow. Where to uh, begin? Yeah, where I mean, to you begin? You punch right in the effing mouth, right there, aren't you? Yeah. So Oof. the film opens, and even if you are watching the R-rated version, um, it opens with a woman in the shower while a man is outside the shower shaving, and she does begin. I don't know, Matt, pleasuring herself while she's in the pleasuring shower. Pleasuring herself. Yeah, she's uh <sighs> slapping the old fish there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's how I died off. I was embarrassed to even say that, but I'm just laying it out there. That's, yeah. that's how we're going, people. This is the unrated version. We watched the unrated version. This is the unrated version. What what I said wasn't even as embarrassing as what we were seeing on the screen. Um, so there and, you go. And De Palma you know? just dives into it, right? The director. Yeah. yeah. The camera's everywhere. It's over here. All, it's all over, over there. We're seeing her shaving habits. <laughs> or, or lack thereof, perhaps. <laughs> or lack thereof. I mean, this was what eighty seventy nine. I mean, nineteen eighty. Yeah. So now, even before we continue on with what happens immediately thereafter, or still while we're in the shower, mm -hmm. uh, from what I read on, I think the wiki or whatever, there was you know a lot of hype going in that, and this this lady is Angie Dickinson. Yes, I probably should mention Angie Dickinson, very famous yeah. famous actress. Mm -hmm. Point um, blank. Yeah. 
So, I mean, uh, the hype was, you know, Angie Dickinson's going to have some basically full frontal was, you know, the press coming out. Yeah. And people were expecting it. You know, somewhere along the line, someone spoiled it. And it was, in fact, you know, a penthouse model or something that was showing the, you know, the, the bathing suit area, mm-hmm. like the naughty bits, as they say in England. Yeah. Um, which just seemed completely obvious to me. I guess what happens, what happens when you're in 2011 in an internet age, obviously. <laughs> Angie Dickinson is not showing her naughty bits off in front of 40 people. I mean, why would she even? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, apparently, I was reading she wanted to at first, or she said she was going to, and Brian De Palma's like, no, why would we want to do that? It's, yeah. you know, we don't want to get our principal actress too wet in the shower or something like that when she could be doing <laughs> other stuff. It, you know, he had some reasonable explanation for using, like you said, a penthouse model for this. Yeah. The close-ups. I wonder, and the, I wonder if he didn't like the, the shaving pattern and like the other one more or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. you start diving in that close, you... Uh, <laughs> well, how close was the camera to what was going on there? It was close. It, it was, was close. It was this close. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Alright, so she's uh, taking care of a little business. And then um, some guy... Presumably is out, right outside or something like that. Somebody is, yeah. Yeah. Bing, and, bam, what's happening? And somebody comes up from behind, like, hidden in the shower somewhere. <laughs> well, how big is the shower? What, what's going on back there? I know. I'm thinking that there's a tunnel leading into the shower that's capable of getting to from the outside world. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the, their escape tunnel. Their their panic room is through the through yeah. the shower or something. They, they didn't yeah. shut up the uh, the back shower firewall or something. Is turned off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the apartment next door has got the extra shower. They share that. There's no wall separating them or whatever. Yeah, great. Right. So he obviously takes her by surprise, and it is an quote unquote unwanted intrusion. I guess you could yes. say. And yes. it's again the scene just goes on for a little bit longer than you feel comfortable with. It say. isn't comfortable, and it's very disorienting. Um, you know, the guy behind her looks a little bit like the husband, but the husband's outside. It's not the husband. Is Or you think is, it's the husband. Yeah. Do we think that this is happening real, or is it a dream? I mean, it's mm-hmm. very unclear what's happening. And obviously, the you know, the uh, the fog of the shower is, is, is rolling in, and it's intentionally made to be somewhat dreamy, somewhat realistic. And the guy it's keeps unclear sh- what exactly is happening. The guy outside the shower keeps shaving, doesn't yeah. seem to notice, or if he does, yeah. he doesn't care. At, at first, I didn't think this was a dream. I thought it was some sort of... I thought it was the first murder of the movie. Right. This is what was going through my mind. And even when it transitioned into her in bed with her husband which we're getting into the next scene now. Yeah. I was even wondering, is that the same person or is that someone who looks like her because her hair was right. all wet? So it was kind of right. tough to tell. Yeah, yeah. It's unclear what exactly is happening. And I imagine there was a lot of pretty serious confusion, you know, if you're mm-hmm. in the theater in 1980 about what did I just see here? What what has happened? I don't even know. It definitely puts you, uh, you know, off of your, your center, so to speak, in terms of, you know, your expectations. Of right. On. Right. And that whole scene, I remember writing down totally out of a giallo film, right? Out of yeah. one of these Italian uh, films in the 70s, uh, films that you've seen a number of and you can probably comment on. But I remember when I watched another one of these movies, I think it was what, Woman with Reptile Skin or something it was called, yeah. right? Yeah. Like at the very beginning was just like this. It just hits you in the face with its explicitness. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely over the top. 
Yeah, yeah, and you're like, wow, is the whole movie like this? What is going on here? Not only is it over the top with the nudity, but just how weird it is, and maybe a little bit out of context or dangerous in a way, right? It's yeah. this mix of sexuality and violence that it just sort of hits you in the head like a hammer. Yeah. Well, you know, my mom always said, if you uh, do it too much, you'll go blind. Apparently, if you do it too much in the shower, you will get, you know, attacked. <laughs> that's the other part that they never tell you right? yeah that's the secret yeah. they don't tell you there's always that guy in the back of the shower who's waiting for you to touch touch the bathing suit area right but as yeah. it tur- so as it turns out this dream or fantasy that she's having which is the the shower scene um mm-hmm. the man who comes up from behind the unwanted man ends up being her husband as we transfer back into her real life and yes transposed over there yeah yeah she's having a a secret moment with the hubby (laughs) secret moment yeah (laughs) yeah which as you reminded me in our our pre-show talk uh she goes to tell her son about in the very next scene yeah as as the wham bam special or (laughs) i guess something crazy like that yeah i wrote it down somewhere here yeah yeah the blue head special right yeah exactly yeah, I'm, I'm taking it that the uh, husband isn't isn't uh, satisfying Miss Dickinson uh, fully. Yeah, that's what we're led no. to believe. It's not a great relationship. Not a great relationship. Less than yeah. fulfilling. If she's complaining to her teenage son, who's building yeah. a circuit the size of the living room. Uh, don't don't get me started. We're not there yet. Are no, we there yet? We're there. Go ahead. Oh, Unleash the beast. Peter. So, I, I, Peter, you're so <laughs> smart and special, Peter. So they've got a teenage son, Peter, uh, who's what, fifteen or something? I guess supposed to be. Uh, yeah, um, I'll go ahead and say he's sixteen or seventeen. Okay, um, and so nineteen eighty. I mean, we're right at the cusp, I guess, of the microcomputer explosion a few years before the Mac and hits and whatnot. Um, so you know, the Palma for all of his, the Palma loves gadgets and little trinkets and stuff i mean mm-hmm. this was right before blowout which i just watched a couple weeks ago and he falls into the same traps here with some of the shit that peter does but anyways he loves gadgets he loves kind of electronics and mm-hmm. stuff he was really kind of exploring it at that time or whatever so peter is inventing something that's going to change the world whatever and it's got a lot of light bulbs and it's basically some sort of binary calculator, some BS that's in their living room or something. And mom, I've been up all night. I've been so inspired. I'm not even hungry. You know what? Yeah. Stop eating Peter and just pass out. And you go to sleep. Yeah. Whiz kid. Yeah. Go get some ramen. And it's, it's yeah. like a scene out of short circuit or something like that. It seems like something so cheesy in eighties. that It's, it's dated. Painful. Oh yes. yeah. It's completely dated. There's like just cables going all over. I mean, how does the yeah. mom even get in the room? And he's got this circuit with this little LED, you know, that's, you know, crunching through random numbers. And like, yeah. that's supposed to mean something. It was one of these <laughs> little 80s things that they got into when, you know, there's some technology. There has to be random numbers scrolling on LED somewhere to show you that it's, it's working. It's doing right. something. Yeah, exactly. Look at that. We it's amazing. Bored. It almost like switches gears into like an eighties adventures and babysitting movie or something where adults are so dumb and kids are so smart. Like, <laughs> um, I'm adding, uh, you know, the binary of one plus two and look at the lights. That means it's three. And 
okay, dear, did you have breakfast? You know, like, <laughs> mom can possibly understand, you know, addition at a binary level or something. This microwave's so complicated. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just a total crazy shift, and maybe yeah. he was doing that to try to shift gears and keep you off balance. Oh, I'm rocking. This kid's so smart, but it's lame. Maybe it was cool in the 80s. It's, it's pretty lame. Right. Okay. <sighs> so yeah, then... Peter. So then we go to uh, <laughs> Dr. Elliot. All right. So I Peter's Peter's not listening to the Wham Bam special. Maybe Dr. Elliot, played by Michael Caine, will. Big fan, Mr. Caine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely one of the big drawing points for this for me. Yeah, I was excited to see what Michael Caine was going to do in this movie. He yeah. plays a doctor who sees her in the beginning. He's obviously a. Uh, I guess you could say a relationship consultant or a therapist of some sort who deals with housewives all day. And <laughs> this is one of them. And she comes in and essentially propositions him after he starts digging into her unfulfilling life. And right. she's thinking, Hey, you know, not having it at home. Here's Michael Caine. Uh, why not you? Yeah. He shoots her down and says, you know, I've got a family. I'm not going to ruin that. He's you know, yeah. very, very business, very professional about it. Yeah. Do you think that we're supposed to think that uh, Michael Caine gets old all the time? Or do, you, do we think that uh, this is kind of unusual and he's experiencing this for the first time? I, I just was thinking about that at the time and now here as we're talking about it. It sounds like a line of dialogue the way he delivers it that right. he has written down somewhere that he's pulled out a couple times. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, oh, I've, this isn't the first time, you know, at the rodeo and I'm going right. to go ahead and give you my stock line. of Exactly. The stock line. my family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's only 15 years old. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. You have a much better cane than I do. Not that <laughs> no, I that... the bar all that high. It's a horrible cane. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so she moves out of there pretty quickly. The Michael Caine character is introduced. And she decides, well, I'll go to the museum and look at some paintings. And this opens up what I think is one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie. Most well executed. This is... One of the reasons we're interested to see Brian De Palma films because he has these 15 minutes of glory in some of his movies that is just unmatched, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the thought that goes into creating a scene like this. And, and let me lay it out for you. She's yeah. in a museum and she's looking at paintings and there's no dialogue whatsoever for maybe, I, I want to say it's probably about 15 minutes. And she's scanning. She's looking at people. She hears like these little snippets of conversation. She looks back at her painting. You can see there's something in her where she's desiring something else. And she's just putting herself out in public and hoping to get noticed like one of these museum pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's going, I know she's taking notes at the time. Like you go to the the modern art museum or what have you to take notes on, you know, picking up milk on the way home. Obviously there's more going on than, than the motions she's going through, you know? Right, right. And she's she's there, a man comes by in sunglasses. Uh, why he's <laughs> wearing sunglasses. Why sunglasses into the museum, yeah. Right, because the lights are so bright, they're burning his eyes, right? <laughs> he's got to wear, his future's so bright, he's got to wear shades. Right, and yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but I think it was the exact same actor that was in her dream who was shaving. That that is a good question. It, it seemed. I mean, we're supposed to at least get the have that question. Is, is that the same guy? Is this you know mm-hmm. after the fact? You know, you're supposed to I think question whether or not that's the gentleman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, she sees him, and you wonder what's going through her mind. It seems like she's interested. She's sort of, 
you know, laying down these signals, and the camera goes to her hands, to her feet, to her eyes, to her face, and, um, you know, eventually she, I think, drops a glove on purpose, yeah. you know, or, or maybe on accident, and she just, she's doing all these little things to get noticed by this guy. Right. And, uh, and and one of the things that I'm going to point out here, too, so I was keeping a running count of the number of times that a Hitchcock film was was referenced. Yeah. And I'll say right now, I came up with four that are very strong and one yeah. that is rather weak. I'll bring yeah. out two of them now. Yeah. So this whole museum scene is very reminiscent of the scene in Vertigo, where okay. James Stewart is following around uh, Kim Novak's character, Madeline. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah, and she's in a museum, and she's just staring at this one picture. And really, Angie Dickinson is staring at this one picture the entire time. But instead of being the person who's being looked at, yeah. like Jimmy Stewart's looking at Madeline the whole time, she's, you know, if you read into film studies, they always talk about this as being sort of an anti-feminist film where he's, you know, got the controlling gaze, and she's the object of his gaze. Well, in this movie... De Palma really turns that around, right? Yeah. She's yeah. in the museum. She's, you know, looking like Madeline. They have these shots that are positioned in much the same way. But it's always her gaze. It's always what she sees. It's always looking at that photo of, yeah. you know, the lady that's looking back at her, right? So it's sort of this weird reflective gaze of mm -hmm. another woman. Yeah. Or she turns her head and looks at the ape, who is the, the man, which is ironic, right? Yeah. So the first reference I want to point out is the vertigo <clears throat> reference, even though he turns around who owns the gaze in the movie. Instead yeah. of being the man, it's the woman. Yeah, as, as we at least tease in the first part, uh, you know, Mr. De Palma, you know, he certainly has a love-love relationship with uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and more love on top of that. Yes, uh, very famous director, if you're real not into flicks. Um, to the point that he, you know, either wholesale copies some of plots, uh, <laughs> definitely a lot of camera work. Um, Bizarro you know, twists on top of old Hitchcock films, if you will. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there was uh, several intertwining, very strong references to other uh, Hitchcock movies here in our uh, focus tonight. So, you know, yeah. so even before we got started, Tom was mentioning to me that I should keep track and uh, he was going to keep track and stuff. And as they kind of arose, we were going to kind of mention them just as a set in the table there after what you just said. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Hitch De Palma and Hitchcock are, are somewhat inseparable. Uh, especially with a, a number of movies that are, I mean, yeah. wholesale, real painfully close to some Hitchcock flicks. So. Yeah. yeah, he's like a mad scientist using the Hitchcock tools in a way, you know. Yeah, the formula, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there are worse people to copy, and, and that is, you know, the reason probably why we both uh, enjoy our De Palma films. And, mm -hmm. I mean, you got to copy somebody and do some uh, interesting camera work. That's a good guy to go for. So. Yeah, why not the best? But anyways, uh, yeah, in this scene, I mean, it's it's hard to overstate it. It's very neat. Um, it is quite long, but it, it is it does capture your attention. Mm -hmm. um, what I wrote down here, you know, it's kind of filmed, kind of dreamlike, and the the music kind of supports it as well in terms of the dreamlike floatingness of it. Um, it's obviously happening. Uh, it, you know, it's not like the earlier shower scene where you're like, <laughs> what's going on? This is, this is, you know, you're pretty sure you're on concrete ground here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's kind of floating in in terms of what she's going to do. And you're right. It is interesting that, you know, I wrote down that um, she's kind of on the crawl. She's kind of hunting 
the man, or at least that's what we're led to believe, you know, with the, the dangle of the glove, you know, maybe we, we realize that the tables have been turned, that he's been playing her the whole time. But as we're watching it, she's kind of the one that's, you know, jumping around and they kind of go from this room to room. And it's, uh, I don't know if the museum that they're in is actually designed this way, but um, it seems like uh, she's really close to him and then he turns a corner and then she goes into that room and all of a sudden he's gone again. It's like, how yeah. did this happen? You know, she's on the prowl. How can she, or she's the hunter, you know, and how can the prey get away so fast or whatever? So it is kind of neat, uh, the playing with the time and stuff where it's obvious that, you know, as she turns a corner, he should be there, but he isn't. What happened? You know? Yeah. I mean, amazing directing by De Palma and just amazing acting by Angie Dickinson too. She's, she controls all these moments in pure silence with just, you know, these little facial tics. At first she's thinking, oh, no, this guy's a creep. And then she's thinking, oh, what am I doing? He was interested in me. Oh, yeah. you know, maybe I'm going to cheat on my husband. Maybe I'm not. Do I really want to go through with this? You know, you can almost see the point where she commits to doing this. And it's all in her face. Nothing is spoken. Nothing is said. Yeah. And then she goes outside and eventually sees him, like you said, like like a worm on a hook. He's yeah. dangling the glove out to uh, to pull her into the cab. Absolutely. Yeah. She finally resolves herself to the fact that, you know, she's lost him. And I think she, and, and like you said, uh, she just delivers a, a, so much emotion with her face and just the, the small, subtle things. And, you know, I'm of the impression, I'm sure probably you are as well, and most of the audience, you know, well, you know, he gets away and then she kind of resolves herself. Well, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Uh, you know, it's, it's okay. And I'm going to just go ahead and leave the museum because this is kind of where I had a bad idea and go on my way. Yeah. You know, and she leaves the museum walking down the steps and then, bam, hanging out the window is, you know, the, the dropped glove that kind of, you know, pushed the ball and got it rolling down, you know, mm -hmm. on a hill here, you know, to see where we're going. And at that point, you know, I, she doesn't seem to think she just commits to it, you know, 100%. Right, right. I think you know? there's even a point, too, where it's split screen where she remembers dropping the glove in the museum and she thinks, oh, geez. And then where is it? It's dangling out of the cab. Right. And at this point, I'm thinking... You know, like you said, the hunter is now the hunted. Yeah, exactly. Much to her, much to our surprise, mm -hmm. and I would think to her surprise as well. Uh, he's been pulling the strings kind of the whole time, and yeah. that was how he managed to get away so well each time. And right. you know, maybe it was right in front of us the whole time, but and it doesn't just... seem like it at the time. And given the dream she just had, with him featured in it, yeah. In fact, he doesn't say anything. He has his sunglasses on the whole time, and he's sort of luring her into this cab. There's this feeling of danger within me when I'm watching this. Like I'm thinking, oh, don't get into the cab. Don't get into the cab. Okay, you're going to get killed. Seems like and a bad idea. Yeah, seems absolutely. like a bad idea. Yeah. So she, she says something, and all he does is just start kissing her, and you're thinking, holy cow, like, you know, the cab driver's going to take off with this. Yeah. What's she thinking? And she just sort of goes with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she... she uh... <clears throat> surrenders herself to it then uh, so do you think that that was the first time she had ever done anything like that gosh it's really tough saying um yeah. it looked like and i'm gonna just read the facial tics and right. whatnot that she had in the museum and and how it looked like she was having troubles navigating that whole field right right i'm gonna say that it was the first time if i want to read into that character but I mean, uh, just yeah, such think, a complex performance from Angie Dickinson, just in that scene alone to build this character up. Yeah, I tend to agree that I think it is. And if I think about it too much, it seems maybe a bit unrealistic that um, basically she tries twice in a day, first with her uh, therapist and then with just more or less a random stranger. 
but she is real hesitant at the beginning, which kind of gives you that, you know, all right, well, this is the first <laughs> time for this. But uh, I was just curious if you thought that that was uh, her first time. I, I agree with you. It does seem to be. Right. And as we come to find out, she's kind of bad at it in terms of leaving her ring after she kind of escapes. And, uh, you know, she's not exactly a professional in terms of uh, right. uh, being good at cheating or what have you. Right. So. Oh, I was going to say my second Hitchcock reference for the, oh, yes, the day here. Sorry to interrupt. This is my weakest one, I'm going to say, because it's all based on looks. Yeah. And I want to say that the Angie Dickinson character in this movie, what's her name? Kate Miller? Yes. Kate yes. Miller. Oh, yeah, nailed it. Nice um, yeah. Either she's made to look or she looks already like Eva Marie Saint in North by Northwest. There's something about her face. Yeah. And maybe it's the way she talks, her voice. Where she's she that's who she reminded me of was yeah. Eva Marie Saint's character. This is like my weakest reference. This is the one you can probably throw away. The other four, I think, are just spot on. Like you just can't no, even avoid. I, it. I think you're right with with the vibrance that that's going on there, or, or just yeah. something like that that they're bringing to the role. With. Right. There's something there. I didn't I didn't pick up on that. I didn't write that one down myself. Yeah. I don't but as soon as you said it, I well. said, oh, I I, or, I know. I was like, it, it resonated with me in, in that respect. And she's also a woman that was quote-unquote, on the prowl, perhaps, mm. with the Cary Grant character. You didn't know where she was where she was sort of headed with that. There was another guy she was juggling around, too, at the same time. So you right. could almost see them being very close characters. I shouldn't say five references. There's five movies that are referenced, and some of them multiple times. Yeah, so I'll, yeah. I'll unabashedly it. multiple times. Unabashedly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, she gets into the car, and uh, things happen. His tongue is like a pubic machete uh, weaving through the Amazon. Um, she screams, and all of New York hears it. And it's the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have their tryst at uh, his place, yes. Yeah, so then in the middle of the day, they're going to his place, and she looks around when she yeah. goes in, like... You know, is, is what's going on? Is anyone watching me? She's very unsure of herself. I remember somebody posted this this 30-second clip on YouTube saying, is there something else happening here that we're not seeing? Like, maybe there's um, maybe a specific character that she sees because she almost stops before she goes in because she's looking wow. at the moving van, but it just right. seems like a normal moving van. Yeah. I'm, if anyone else saw something there, I looked at this clip a few times and I didn't see anything. But Yeah, cool. Interesting. She goes up to the apartment and uh, wakes up 7.30 at night right. and uh, does her little bit to uh, go home, right? Yeah. She's yep. getting dressed up, getting made. Kind of slinks out and, and, you know, the dude doesn't stir, you know, mm -hmm. it's at that point we're back on our character. I mean, he's obviously has to be there to some degree, but it's just a, you know, that happened, but it's just kind of irrelevant to, I mean, it's relevant to what happened, but the yeah. he is irrelevant to the rest of the story at that point. It's kind of interesting just how much they, uh, any other movie, you know, dude would wake up, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Or you at least see him walking to go to the bathroom or something like that. It's just uh Oh, I completely disagree. The whole no, time sure. she was there and she woke up and it was quiet and silent, yeah. I was thinking to myself, this guy could wake up at any moment and there could True. be danger. I thought she was in the lion's den. She kept stalling, right? She was writing a note. She scraps the note. I'm thinking, okay, this is when he turns around and he's awake and she didn't expect it, right? Yeah, our focus is still on her completely, though. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you are right. I was waiting to get caught off guard. Yeah. I mean, it is called Dressed to Kill. Uh, we're, uh, still, uh, we're still uh, living the on the edge here of what's about to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then the most shocking thing of all, she starts reading through uh, some letters he has, and yes. voila, three letters STD. <laughs> I, uh, that really <laughs> took me by surprise as a as a plot, you know, point. Uh, yeah, I wrote down leading up to the discovery of VD for real. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, it's just really out of character for what else has happened. But Yeah, exactly. No, are I... we in an actual special all of a sudden? You shouldn't cheat, because you'll get an STD. <laughs> I'm a STD, I'm a STD. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? you got to rearrange yeah. those right yeah. before you're going down. <laughs> Right. It's a little Indeed. bit of a red herring. Like, is that what the movie's going to be about? The guy who yeah, gave her exactly. STD. Somebody goes crazy from getting an STD and starts killing people or something. Right. And spoiler alert: it had nothing to do with the rest of the film that yeah. I could see. They didn't bring it up. It wasn't like a detective tied together DNA and found out this guy's STD. We got to get him. You know. Right. No. Yeah. yeah. It's just a. It was total, just a little joke. Total uh, curveball getting thrown, and you swing at it or you don't, and then the pitcher throws another one. That's, right. You move on. So, so, so then the camera's still with her. She's still very quiet the whole time, very quiet. And she gets in the elevator. She's on the seventh floor. She goes down, but somebody sees her. Yeah, yeah. Lady dressed in sunglasses is looking out of a cubbyhole. Yeah. And split screen again. She remembers. Yeah. Oh, my, my ring, my engagement ring, wedding ring, whatever. I left it on his alarm clock. What can I do? I have to go back and get it. I don't even have his phone number. It's so awkward. She goes up, and then all of a sudden... Biggity-bam. Biggity-bam. That's the murder. Is it razor? It? Yeah, there's a, yeah. a straight razor that is uh, that is used in a very brutal scene that happens in the elevator. Yeah. Uh, slashing left and right, and she's wearing, you know, very white wool coat, it appears, and uh, yeah. the visuals. I mean, obviously, De Palma's going for some very stunning-looking visuals. Yeah, and this is a, a larger lady, um, definitely bigger than Miss Dickinson. Uh, yeah, wearing an imposing very, figure, uh, very uh, concealing garb, so that we have no idea of the identity. Kind of in a giallo type mm-hmm. pattern here of, of who done it sort of a situation. Right, right. So she's yeah. wearing these dark sunglasses. She has long blonde hair, and she has this long black raincoat that is cinched in the middle with kind of wide shoulders. And this is when I wrote down my next reference here. Yeah. So obviously the, uh, so there's two references here, right? So this whole slashing going on is straight out of psycho. Obviously. Straight right? out of psycho, yeah. Yeah. But the knife without, and, without, without any shame, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Some fast cutting, some slow cutting because it gets a little bit more visceral than psycho. But the other reference here is a reference to family plot. Oh, you remember that movie? I do remember that movie. It's been a while since I've seen my family plot. And, right. Yeah. So it's all about how she's dressed. The okay. murderer, right? She has these dark sunglasses, oh, the yeah. black coat. The only difference is in family plot, she was wearing a hat. Oh. So there's no hat here. But I was yeah. thinking the whole time, this looks very <laughs> familiar. And then I was going through my Hitchcocks and got to the last one, family plot. And I'm like, bingo. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's even, even if you haven't seen Family Plot, you've probably seen the, the cover, or what I know is the cover, and it's got the mm-hmm. uh, the black, you know, trench coat and the mm-hmm. stark red lipstick and, mm-hmm. and the bad wig and whatnot. Yeah, yep. you're right on. Yeah, that blonde wig. Yeah. So, the murder happens in the elevator, and then something happens, the elevator door opens, as it does. Yeah. 
and uh, really two people see. There's a man and a woman, and the woman sort of sticks around a little bit. The murderer lays in the corner of the elevator, where she can only be seen through one of those uh, semi-circular mirrors in yeah. the other corner. So obviously the man runs away like a scared freaky cat, but the... That'd be me, yeah. That'd be me as the, well. The uh, lady who happens to be... Miss Nancy Allen. Miss Nancy Allen, who is yeah. the next main character. There's a, as Robin Wood points out in an essay that I read in, how was it, Vietnam to Reagan. Uh, this is sort of like uh, a handoff with the gays, right? Mm -hmm. So you go from one main character handing off to another. They they reflect each other in this mirror sort of way. Yeah. You know, they're, they're sort of caught in each other's gaze. She's wondering how she can help her. There's this reach out where they're, I don't know if they're even touching at one point, but you're fearing for Nancy Allen to get her hand slashed by the the psycho wielding the razor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly is surprising because I, I know I don't know about you, but I was expecting uh, Angie Dickinson. I mean, a big name, obviously. We've set the table with everything that happens to, to be, you know, our main character throughout mm -hmm. the story, and yeah. then all of a sudden, and like Janet Leigh and Psycho. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which, you know, obviously it was inspiration for a lot of the plot and structure of this movie. <laughs> um, real big surprise when it shifts, and then it shifts, unfortunately, to Nancy Allen, <laughs> who I just wrote Nancy Allen, bummer. Um, <laughs> I mean, were the 80s just so crazy that Nancy Allen was the, the cat's meow? Or, or, I mean, I just don't see it. Well, she was one bit. cat's meow, and that was Brian De Palma. Mr. De Palma, yeah. They yeah. happen to be married, so uh, in case you're not in the know. Hmm. Um, so leading up to this, I think they got married for a few years afterwards. So Yeah. Boy. Maybe they're uh, even I, still married now. I don't know. I checked. They're not. She's, she may even be on the market now. But Right. You know, so how many, how many annoying performances do we have so far? We have two. We have Petey, and Peter. then we have... Yeah, yeah, Pierre. We have and, uh, Nancy Allen, whose name is Liz. Yeah, and so far of the two people that I would want to be slashed and murdered, we're over two. Right, right. We got the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna border into into spoiler territory at this point. So. Okay. Go ahead. And maybe this was my my De Palma experience, but so the end of the story, our killer is going to be. Michael Caine. All right, mm -hmm. there I said it. There I said it. Doctor Elliot. You're popping um, it out earlier than I was going to. Is this the point where you knew it was going to be Michael Caine? I, I didn't know it was going to be Michael Caine. I wrote, mm -hmm. "There's obviously a man. Is that a tranny? Mom is dead. Pete is going to be sad." Is, wow. is my notes right at this point. Well, you nailed um, the tranny earlier than I did. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I've watched Raising Cain a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of one of uh, the Palmer's cheesier movies, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I like me some John Lithgow. Uh, it's got the crazy uh, stabbing through the car scene, which is one of uh, the Palmer's camera tricks that I love whenever he does it. Yeah. Uh, just the first person stuff flying at you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't believe he hasn't made a 3D movie with some, one of those going on because it's made for it. But uh, anyways, it, it's very similar in uh, John Lithgow dressing up uh, and obviously with the psycho references with uh, Norman and Mom. Um, so I, I knew that there was, that's a, that's a huge bitch or that's, that's a real stocky woman or that's, that's a dude. Yeah. Uh, and they do try to hide it obviously subtly because obviously, uh, you know, De Palma is keeping his, being coy still at this point to the mm -hmm. 1980 audience. But, right. um, uh, yeah, I don't know why I mentioned it now, but I, I 
kind of figured out that that that's a man man right, right there uh, <laughs> that's new point. woman baby yeah yeah and later yeah. later i i figured out the cane part but we'll when we get to that beat we'll uh we'll talk about it right 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 <clears throat> okay so we're in the police station now after the nastiness has occurred yes and nice. um yeah. i want to bring up my next annoying character Please, yeah. Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, every time he's in one of these 80s movies, I think, how did this guy get, you know, the, how did he keep getting work? Uh-huh. And people love him, you know, Dennis Franz, uh, Dennis Franz Law and Order, is that what he was in? I don't know. Uh, NYPD Blue. NYPD yeah. Blue. Yeah. I guess if Pop you want, rock. Yeah. He, he like, you could film a, a movie of him in Idaho and he would bring some some new york city flair to it i mean yeah. he just kind of oozes out new york cityness i'm not an outsider i'm a yeah. cap <laughs> he, he just has an attitude and a voice and a look that is it's cartoonish city. it's yeah. just cartoonish it's completely over the top with the accent and you know the the lingo and the jive and the way he he carries himself i'm just like oh my gosh can we can we get a normal person in here can we can we tone it down a little bit I mean, he's going large yeah he's character. worse than like pacino who can not only act as pacino <laughs> i mean uh franz only acts as franz i mean i've seen him in tv shows i've seen him in movies and franz is franz if you want a new york city cop or uh a guy that's kind of a city doucher call him franz <laughs> yeah, exactly. i mean uh, it's, it's it's just like in a box you just open up the box he pops open you feed him the lines bam He's right. ready to roll. So he's he's questioning everybody, including Dr. Elliot. And while he's questioning Dr. Elliot, who was talking to Peter. Um, yeah, Peter's outside with some mechanical devices so that he can hear what's going on. He's got a microphone tuned into the room yeah. so he can hear what Dr. Elliot's saying. And he knows that Dr. Elliot is, is definitely hiding something. And, and he gets the clue at this point that he's got to, you know dig a little bit deeper. And then he also finds out from this conversation that the, uh, the hooker who is Nancy Allen, Liz also was the person who saw the murder happen or saw the, the lady who did the murdering. And I don't, I also want to bring this up too. This is now two movies. Uh, the next movie blowout where husband, loving husband, Brian De Palma gives his wife work as the main actress who is also, by the way, a prostitute. So how would this conversation go in Jackass Tom House where you say, honey, I love uh, you. Honey, I've, um, I just I've written wrote, two movies. I've written this great script for you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and I've got you in mind for the lead part. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so here's how it's going to play out. <laughs> I'm going to make you look beautiful. The camera's going to be on you the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You know, soft focus. You're never going to look better. I love it, Tom. Jackass Tom. Right. So, so here's the character. Oh, you're, is it like a princess or something? No, it's not so much a princess. It's um, you're on the right track though. It's okay. it's a woman. It's a woman. Queen? I'm a queen. Yeah, you're you're not a transsexual. So keep that okay. in mind when I tell yeah. you this. Yeah. It'll soften the blow. <laughs> it, the only way I can work the story is if you're a prostitute. That's well, that's the business. Both times, both movies. Catch your wife as a hooker. And that's only the two movies I've seen her in that he's yeah. been directing. The, the worst part is uh, Dennis Franz is also in Blowout. Yeah, so. that's the other part, Jimmy too. Jimmy Christmas. Ugh. Are they the same people? You start oh, to wonder man. that after a while. Yeah. Maybe this is the sequel. Yeah. Ugh. 
Dressed so, blowout. so we've got the annoyances of <laughs> the Palma cast and his wife as a hooker, mm-hmm. uh, annoying Dennis Franz, and then we, we're back on to the adults are stupid. The police detective isn't figuring this out, but the stupid Peter with his stupid little toy is figuring all this stuff out just by. And it is, it is cool, cool uh, camera work, by the way, with the uh, like a double focus going on, which yeah. he does multiple times. That, that is really neat. So it took me off of the edge of annoyance because I, I really you. appreciated the hell out of what was going on in terms of the visual presentation. Mm-hmm. That's another De Palma classic right there. Yeah. The double and I, I, I eat that up every time. I love, <sighs> I love it. it. It's too. neat. Um, you know, it's just something, I don't know how he does it. I don't even want to know. I just want, yeah. it's like Disney world. I don't know. want to know where the cast members go to put in, put on Disney costume. You can be talking just... about unicorns while they're in that double focus. And I yeah. just like sop it up. Yeah, and he even I even wrote down he seemed to do a three level depth level one at one point. I don't remember the context Ooh, of it, but I don't it's just so either. cool how that that works out every time, you know. Yeah. So while he's listening to Doctor Elliot, there is a point where Dennis Franz said, uh, when he's talking about women wanting to, you know, go around and try to find someone to kill them, he was asking if you know she wanted to be killed, if he yeah. thought so as a psychiatrist, and said that maybe he propos- she propositioned herself to people who uh, she wanted to get killed by, and maybe this guy who, you know, she slept with as the killer. And he says, yeah, well, yeah. she propositioned me. Yeah. And uh, Dennis Franz says, but you're not a psycho. <laughs> Little spoiler alert there yeah. from Captain yeah, Annoyance. Yeah. Please spoil. Yeah, the delivery is what grates the hell out of you. But yeah. <laughs> right. Now, uh, we do hear from Bobby, who's the killer, who you already spoiled as being Michael Caine. Yeah, sorry. Spoiler buddy. alert. That's all right. Yeah. It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have this split screen. Do you remember the split screen that goes on after we get out of the hole? Is this when we we're uh, listening to the uh, message? Yeah, the message. Yeah. There's a split screen. Yeah. Half the screen's on Michael Caine listening to the message. And then half the screen's on Bobby as she's looking into Nancy Allen's house with her binoculars, right. trying yeah. to you know, figure out what she's going to do next because she wants to kill. So Michael Caine in the daytime, Bobby at night. Yep, so they yep. sort of split. Same person, yeah. Same person, right. And then eventually the camera on the right, which is Bobby, starts to follow Nancy Allen, but it yeah. follows her in the daytime, right? And it's very interesting how he does this too, right? Yep. Like yep. how he's setting up these these two pairs, so to speak. Um, and then eventually Michael Caine starts watching the show on a tranny and it just so happens that Nancy Allen's watching the same thing at the same time, just on different splits. And, um, you know, Michael Caine is sort of figuring out the whole Bobby thing. He's, he's thinking about it. He's looking very stern and trying to figure out in his head what to do next, or at least that's what you think. Right. But it turns out he just left a message for himself and he wants to watch a show about a tranny. <laughs> turns out, yeah. Turns out. Yeah. It turns out, yeah, Donahue, by the way. Nice Donahue 80s reference there. It yeah. screams the 80s like a Donahue. I see we both wrote that down in our notes. <laughs> I wrote it down it's as Donahue. well. It's got a yeah. little Donahue lean going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was really cool. Another awesome split screen, well executed, setting up this um, idea by you know, playing around with the timelines a little bit in the split screen too, where, you know, you think that this Bobby is one of his patients, right? Yeah. Because yep, exactly. she's leaving the message at the same time you're watching her. So you think the time is the same. And then he readdresses that point by putting the same timeline on in the next cut on that one side, matching up the televisions being the same. So you think it's all happening all at once, but really 
one of them happened earlier, so he's sort of setting up this trick on you. Yeah, yeah, setting you up for the fall, basically. And uh, The Pullman is bag of tricks. Yeah, I mean, we're in the meat and potatoes of the movie at this point. You know, we've established that there's the Bobby character. Yeah. Uh, we've got Dr. Elliot that we know is going to play a role, that we're not really sure what that's going to be. Uh, the detective's on the hunt, you know, and we're about to enter into the point where... Uh, Liz, the Nancy Allen character, mm-hmm. and uh, Peter are going to, you know, join forces. The yeah. the prostitute and and the and the and the teenage kid are going to, of course, join together and solve the wrongs, which is yeah. kind of an eye rolling type of uh, plot twist. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we can skip past the most boring part of the movie. Well, maybe not the most boring part, but the one that we probably have the least to say is this whole chase scene. Yeah. Which is effective, right? Liz is getting chased by the tranny. Yeah. And, uh, or Bobby, I guess we can call her. She has a name now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She gets in the subway. She starts getting harassed by a gang of uh, darker colored gentlemen, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. And it's 80s New York for you, I guess. 80s, 80s New York. New York. Yeah. She gets on the train, and Sam Art Williams, who is also in Blood Simple, is the police officer on the train. Nice. Good he call. Was, oh, was yeah. A, was that uh, the uh, guy behind the bar? That was the guy behind the bar. Yeah, what yeah. was his name in the movie? I can't remember. Yeah, we both said how much we liked him, and now here we are selling down the river. Yeah, exactly. And um, so she's on the train. The lights are flickering in and out. She has double danger, right, because we catch a glimpse of Bobby, who's looking at her from one of the cars, and then we yeah. catch a glimpse of, of course, the gang who wanted to beat her up or rape her or do something to her. Whatever, yeah. Very effective scene, and then who comes to save the day? Uh, anybody but a little kid. Not a little, little whiz kid. I just put together a can of mace or something like mace and sprayed <laughs> it in her face and she went screaming. You know, that's that's how I roll. That's, I'm Peter. So stupid little Peter has, apparently in his free time, decided to make homemade mace and spray it in Bobby's face. <laughs> uh, exactly. What a, yeah, I mean, that was obviously a, a beat that made me lose a bit of my steam and like you said we've got the cool things going on with the double focus we've got the interesting thing going on with our timeline everything all right yeah i'm starting to lap this up you know keep feeding it to me here uh the palma and then we get you know peter saving the day yeah what's the fascination with whiz kids and stuff come on gosh this is a grown-up movie he's got a haircut that's horrible too it's just annoying yeah (laughs) so at this point they uh they uh team up as you said yeah. She's staying over at his place. Uh, Peter is asexual, apparently, because he has no interest in the hooker that's staying at his place. Yeah. And were you getting the what's going to happen here type vibe when she decides to stay over? Like, where where is this going? I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah, it's, it was a little creepy. Yeah. I mean, it was it a lot creepy. Inappropriate, but they're, they're heading down that path, and then nothing happens, so why did we set this up? Yeah. So they can be a dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. I don't even know which one's Robin. They're Robin and Robin. <laughs> Whatever. Save the lecture, Mr. Wizard. I wouldn't know sodium from Adam. Oh, my God. Awesome Nancy Allen line right there. Yeah, that's her husband that thought, you know, to craft that up and, and have her deliver it. Yeah, there was even a line where she says, you want some more coke, and since she was a prostitute, I was thinking, she offered him cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, it was the 70s and 80s, obviously, but that probably was the hint going out to the audience, wink, wink. Yeah, but it, uh, no, we we know Peter. He's he's drinking his coke so he can build circuits. Yep, so yep. Uh, then they figure out that... There is indeed this uh, this Bobby person going into the office based on a camera that Peter set up to 
take snapshots every four or eight seconds. I couldn't remember which one. Yeah, something like that. I just did the math and how long the bike was going to sit there and then divided by the number of seconds in now, which is like 3,600. Yeah. It's pretty easy when you think about it. It's really elementary. Thanks. Okay, yeah. so talk to you later, hooker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not so they figure out that it's uh, what timeline that this Bobby character was uh, entering or exiting the office. So they're like, right. okay, we just got to break into the office. Wham, bam, figure out the... Uh, Sorry, I lost it there. Figure out who's on his schedule, find a schedule, and we know who the killer is. It's the simplest pie. It's it's a lot of work to go through. I mean, if you already know for a fact that Bobby is going in to visit the doctor, I mean, is it that much work to flip through three pages of his his date book and see which one is named Bobby, and then just know that that's Bobby? Bobby. I mean, it's no big deal. Uh, But, no, we have to have – and, again, it's another – chance for De Palma to do neat camera tricks and make me happy. But, and I'm not one to really overthink, uh, you know, technical parts of movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Why, why is he doing this? If you know he's going in there, just go in there. If you're going to break in anyways, you're going to check things out or you're going to send in uh, Liz on her secret mission. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about here. And shortly. she has a, she has a chance to tell the cops too. Uh, Dennis yeah. Franz comes in. He's like, if you don't tell me what you know, I'm going to book you instead. You know? Yeah. I and, think you did it, yeah. And for some reason, you know, she tells tells the kid, "Oh no, I won't tell him that you're working with me because you really don't want to do that." Uh, but seriously, suck it up. There's a murderer out there. He's yeah. chasing you. Sell out the kid. <laughs> Sell out the kid. The cop who doesn't want to murder you and right. pr- would prefer to capture the bad person. Right. But instead, what do they do? They try to seduce the doctor. Yeah. Which is a no-no. Apparently that's a bad idea and that triggers Bobby. <laughs> so yeah, so she's yeah. she's in the office. And I wrote yeah. at the 75 minute mark, which is when the first crack of lightning hits. And she's talking to Michael Caine at night in his office yeah. per his schedule. I wrote down, I believe it's Michael Caine. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the yeah one at that point I wrote mark. down, uh, why are we still pretending that we don't know it's Michael Caine? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, were, were people in the audience still just totally like, no, yeah. that's that's a chick. What are you talking about? Yeah. But, well, but no, if you're watching the movie, we're still in the mode. The well, movie's Michael, still feeding you. like. Yeah. Michael Caine did talk to someone about Bobby. Yeah. Uh, you know, another doctor saying that uh, he thinks that she might be killing people. And the guy was sort of looking at him like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Why are you telling me this? You right. know, he had this look like, oh, uh, you think so? Why is that? Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me more about this? Yeah. Can you make have Bobby make an appointment? I don't know. Yeah. Bobby might be busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was saying, Are you sure Bobby's gonna be in your or you're gonna be in your office all day? Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm gonna be. Okay. I'm just making sure you're gonna be in your office all day. <laughs> and just making yeah. sure that's where you plan to be for the next thirty minutes while I call the cops on you. So Yeah, we don't realize uh this doctor's gonna be making an appearance later in the movie. That's the most groan-inducing part of probably the whole film. But yeah. we'll be there shortly. But the doctor will be back. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, rear window reference. Uh, little Peter has his binoculars, and he's trying to use those to look through the windows to make sure that Nancy Allen is okay. And yeah. meanwhile, Nancy Allen is in there trying to seduce uh, Mr. Elliot, Mr. Doctor Elliot, Mr. Michael Caine. Right. Who, by this point, I'm just thinking to myself, man, this is the most boring Michael Caine performance, performance. I've ever seen. He's just right. like holding it in the whole time, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely extremely reserved and 
I mean, uh, the very com- compactness of the words and the delivery of them, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, she starts to take off her clothes and reveal that she's in a little teddy, and she's talking all sorts of dirty language to him like hookers do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's not what you want to do around Dr. Elliot, because apparently, as we find out later, that unleashes... Bobby. Thank you. You made yes. Bobby angry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, doc looks into the mirror and sort of <laughs> smiles and loosens his tie at 123. So the people in the audience who still don't get it are probably thinking, okay, the doctor's getting down to business. All right, he's about to, yeah, go to but, go down. But what they don't realize is that getting down to business means wearing a blonde wig. Yeah. Time, his penis time to do the change. Yeah. Time to put your, uh, your costume on. It's not the Superman one. Right. So the cops are on to this the entire time in, you know, and I'm looking at this thinking that these are the most irresponsible New York police <laughs> cops I've ever seen, you know, just. It's, it's just a hooker. <laughs> well, that's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> you got a good run, man. Uh, nice. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Bobby gets shot and starts coughing up a little bit of blood, but isn't dead yet. Yeah, I know. I, initially, I was like, "Oh, I can't believe they actually killed Bobby yeah, already." Yeah, throat That's shot. Weird. Nice. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely implying at least that Bobby is a uh, great, great transsexual beyond. But, yeah. but nay. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, I do also want to mention that while she's uh, letting Bobby change, uh, she's looking through the appointment books, and this reminded me again of Psycho of Vera Miles looking through the ledger in the Bates All Hotel, right. right? Yeah. Like right as she's in. In harm's way, she's looking through the ledger, trying to figure out who stayed there or whether right. her sister stayed there. And in this case, she's trying to figure out if the killer's name is is in this appointment book. And, you know, I'll even have to look at these scenes to see if some of the same names are in there. I wouldn't put it past DePaul. Oh, to absolutely put, like, not. Good yeah. call, yeah. Yeah, they both think they're so coy and they've gotten away with it, you know, at this point. That's, you mm-hmm. know, I've set this up. And, again, probably similar to the uh, museum scene where the, uh, you know, the person that thinks they're the hunter is actually the one that's being hunted. Exactly. Exactly. So then after everyone's safe, after, you know, the wig falls off a la Norman Bates and Norman Bates mother, then we have the reveal. Yeah. The end. So we're all gathered around just like the end of Psycho. And I just want to say the worst part about Psycho is the end. Absolutely. Right. That Maybe that was man- necessary in, was it 1960, I think, for Psycho? 60, 61, yeah. Yeah, so maybe the, and if you've never seen Psycho, it's very similar to what we've seen here, but uh, to some degree. Uh, but at the end, there's kind of an explanation that some people are different than you, Timmy, and mm-hmm. they like to dress up like women, you know. And you it's see, just... Norman created a personality that's also his mother, but not his mother. It's in his head, and he yep. thought he was her to keep her alive, yeah. So it's just a total painful explanation, like being spoon-fed what's happening, and you're not allowed to put anything together in your mind, basically, you know. Yeah. And I am the sort of guy that, you know, likes to talk about maybe a David Lynch movie and want to know, you know, what does it mean, what does it mean? And this is just the opposite end of the spectrum where you're not allowed to think what it means. We're going to tell you in, you know, uh, an announcement style what exactly happened beat by beat and right. why it happened. Oh, my gosh. It's right. horrible. And it's funny, too, because in the whole conversation, they talk about Bobby being or Dr. Elliot being a transsexual. And, yeah. you know, he wanted to become Bobby and he wanted to get a pinectomy, which I didn't even know was a word, but Nancy <laughs> Allen says it's a word. So it's a word. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's what she tells Peter, at least in that great classic scene as well. But, um, yeah, yeah. 
it just killed me because they acted like the whole time this was happening, it was because he's a transsexual who wasn't allowed to have his surgery or what didn't have it signed off on yet. But really what it comes down to is the guy's split personality and one of them took over and one of them was like this raging nutcase who, you know, wanted to get this surgery and was willing to kill people when, you know, his willy got erect from seeing a woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they never explained it like it was a split personality. They're like, well, you know, some transsexuals, they get a little bit crazy if you don't let them take that penis off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and apparently the uh, tranny community, transsexual community, did not like uh, that sort of presentation of of their their choices or what have you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And, you know... It was degrading. And I think, you know, we're in a society right now that's extremely politically correct. And maybe that's why I think that way. But I was just thinking at the time, man, I bet some people were really upset with this explanation. Yeah. You know, even at that time. And I think I read afterwards maybe the same thing that you did, that all sorts of groups of people were were up in arms over this movie. And I, I know I saw Brian De Palma saying what can I do, you know? <laughs> like, come on, how can you not see this, you know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like they added, I think audiences were, were um, sophisticated enough to not really necessarily need the answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, this this last scene, it seems to be just uh, homage to Hitchcock for the sake or blatant ripping off of, of Hitchcock and Psycho and scene just for the sake of ripping it off more than anything yeah. else. I like, mean, we've gotten this far. Let's yeah. just keep ripping it, you know? What did Hitchcock do next? Okay, we need a scene that looks like this. Yeah, I mean, That's... it's just brutal. And if you yeah. have seen Psycho before, you've seen this one. And, you know, we have the ending where uh, Bobby gets shot and, and, you know, we fade to black or whatever in the next scene. We see the doctor again, and then if you're like me, and you're probably like Tom, you're like, "Oh no, no, don't, don't do that scene. Don't do that scene. They're going to explain it, aren't they?" Yeah. And then they go and explain. It's like, oh, I can't believe they chose to do the painful explanation. Stupid, stupid. Yeah, exactly. So then they go from that scene, which is just straight out of Psycho, as you said. Yeah. And and they have that's kind of the cut, the end of Psycho. You know, move on with the world. Yeah, but they're not done yet. Yeah, but wait. There's, Wait, there's more, more. time. Yeah. So she decides <laughs> to have dinner with uh, Peter and tell him pretty much what she learned already. Yeah. And Peter's finding it out. And there's supposed to be this whole comical transition about her talking to Peter about transsexuals and this lady, you know, probably about 70 years old at another table looking over when you see Peter, right? When the camera cuts to Peter, she's listening to the conversation completely aghast and about to lose yeah. her lunch. And it's really... Why do you have to hold us on for this? You know? I know. Nancy Allen with her New York draw, her Brooklyn draw yeah. or whatever. Yeah. See, she, he needs a penectomy and he couldn't. And uh, Peter is self-aware of you know the surroundings and maybe this isn't good lunchtime food. It's almost Three Stooges-esque in terms of the hijinks and hilarity. Of yeah. Someone knows what's going on and somebody doesn't. And you're well, supposed P- to... Peter even takes it to a new level. He's like, oh, you can do that. You're giving me some wonderful ideas for my next science project. I'll turn myself into a woman. Oh my like, are you kidding me, Peter? Just just zip it. You're done. <laughs> zip it. Yeah, it's supposed go... to be slapstick, Tom, Tom, but it feels... More like slap. Dick. You got yes. it. You got yeah. it. So then we're not done yet. There's... <sighs> we go back to the sanitary... 
Not sanitarium? Is that what it's called? Sanatorium? Right. Crazy. Yeah. The crazy house. The nut house. Yeah, yeah. All is psycho, which is where Norman Bates ends. Right? And he's just sort yep. of talking yep. to himself. Yeah. But this movie doesn't end there. Nope, or does no. it? No. It, it, we Michael need a third Kane, ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ending Michael, number three. Michael Caine wakes up and strangles his nurse and begins undressing her so he can dress up as her. Right? Yeah, yeah. Does it end there? No. No. Oh. It, it could have ended there, too. We could have had five endings by now. Yeah, yeah. So we push it a little bit further. We've got a POV shot going through Peter's backyard. Yeah. Right. And... You know, he loves these POV shots. This is how Blowout starts, by the way, this whole right. POV shot. It looks like he took it straight from this movie. And he's sort of scanning through, and he sees who? Nancy Allen getting ready for what? A shower. Oh, yeah. We just can't stay away from Psycho. And then we go to Nancy Allen in the shower, and we're taking all these cuts of her that look just like Psycho, right? That 270-degree shot, like the camera's looking straight down from the back yeah. of the shower, and... Of course, it's more time to show your wife completely naked in the shower to everyone unnecessarily. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, you know, he never crashes into the shower, but she has this sense. And then she sees, like, the nurse shoe just hanging in the dark. Yeah. Just hanging there for, like, five minutes. It's like he's one of these characters in a video game that doesn't get triggered until you walk past a certain point. Right, yeah, exactly. The script hasn't triggered him yet, exactly. Yeah, she's, like, walking around for five minutes on eggshells, like what can I get to protect myself? I'm naked and there's a killer in the house. Yeah. You know, and it's just painful. Yeah. That's the longest fourth ending of any movie ever. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and then it doesn't end there necessarily. Yeah. So yes, he starts ripping into her eventually and yeah, yeah. she wakes up in bed screaming <laughs> And then it ends. Then it finally ends. I mean, you're you're like a battered wife at this point, just expecting more and more. But it's like, for real, it's end, it's over this time. I mean, well, I don't know what the plan was. What, do you know if all those endings were part of like the R-rated cut? I wonder if that was just some. Oh, no, they were. They they because uh, they were showing in one of the featurettes how even that ending where she got slashed, they had to cut pieces out of that because it was too bloody. Oh really? Yeah. yeah there was a whole thing with this movie about being rated yeah, x and you know and yeah, yeah and, and de palma's throwing up his hands like what can i do guys i don't know what i can do you know yeah. so he had to cut out all these scenes and he thought oh it just it ties the movie together and he cut out all these different parts and he shortened some of the bloody scenes and he took out some of the cooter shots and <laughs> you know he, he t- tried to tighten those up a little bit and he finally got it down to an r yeah but he had the unrated version released to Europe where, you know, they don't care. They date their kids to this sort of stuff. They, they love the cooter shot, absolutely. Yeah, cooter shot, exactly. European, you know. Wow. Anytime okay. I say anything inappropriate, I always just say it's European. It's gotten me this far. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, don't bother with that. It's European. It's European. <laughs> okay, Matt. So there's – I don't know how to ask this question. We'll yeah. get to our questions here. Who do you party with in this movie? There's so many people that are despisable. Yeah. Who's left to party with? I mean, none of the characters are particularly uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. pleasing. I mean, what the heck are we going to do? I guess we we do have, uh, I think his name was, well, I'll let you answer first. And then I'll, oh, I'll, you're killing I'll me. I mean, Nancy, <laughs> Liz is John, maybe? He, he knows how to party. He knows how to call up for a hooker. He knows how to run away when somebody's getting knifed to death. He knows we're in the hole and no one to fold him, Tom. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the best I can come up with. And that guy's name, maybe, I wrote down Ted at one point. I think he was a Ted. Yeah. And I, I, looking back, I'm not sure why I wrote down Ted the Good John. <laughs> it's been my notes, but <laughs> I, I did. Uh, so I'm going to go with Ted. Okay. Uh, Dude knows where to party. Uh, maybe you're just in Obviously. town, you know, for an insurance convention. No, knows who to call to get a hooker. Yeah. Not that that's exactly my scene. But it's But if important. you know where to get a hooker, then you know how to party. Correct. You know? I'm going to I'm going to throw the spitball at you here. Yeah, sure. Detective Marino. Oh, stop it. Yeah. I, I'm just saying I could, you know, sit in the corner of his party and just make fun of his accent the whole time and all the people around me be like, he's right. He does this it, really well. It, is, it does work for me. I will admit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as playing off of somebody, you would be all set. Yeah. It's like, uh, hey, I, I do think I will have another beer. Pass it over <laughs> here, Detective Marino, you know, and he wouldn't <laughs> even know it. You know, he's just clueless that people are getting killed in this town and, you know, he doesn't know about Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, All definitely. right, Tom, I got I got one for you now. Yeah. It's not on not on our pre list. I just made this up mid mid the uh, podcast while we're sure. chatting. Gonna have to improvise. All right. So if you had a letter that said you had an S T D, where would you hide the letter? Because <laughs> oh, I put it right on top of your desk while you're bringing uh, ladies over to to do your thing. While your cat on the prowl. <laughs> Probably not the best place for it. Uh, where where would you hide your letter? Well, this isn't going to answer your question. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it in that context now. <laughs> this guy was a cat on the prowl. He had his yeah, sunglasses yeah. down. Sunglasses right? inside the inside. museum, yeah. Maybe he's the type of guy that doesn't want repeat offenders. Yeah. And he just puts that out there. He's like, this way, it's a clean separation. Yeah, so somewhere like in the background, there's probably like an IBM Selectric typewriter that he's just typing up these ominous letters and leaving them around everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one in the kitchen next to the orange juice in case she starts getting uh, thirsty and goes in there. Because it wasn't very scientific. It said sexually transmitted disease or something like that, or venereal disease. It's something like that, right? I yeah, can't remember what yeah. the term was. I think it was STD, though, and I'm thinking to myself, usually that. Well, I shouldn't say usually because I've never been in this scenario, but you would <laughs> think if you. Yeah, <laughs> funny now, huh? Right. Um, if you get something like this, the doctor doesn't write that on a piece of paper, does he? <laughs> no, no. Doesn't he write something more like three weeks later? Oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah, penis scoliosis, you know, something like that. <laughs> Let's see. I got Publishers Clearinghouse. I got a bill. Oh, my STD results. Sweet. <laughs> I have oh. STD. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Go find Andy Dickinson. I'd probably recycle that one, to be honest with you. Oh, that's a good idea. Shredder. Yeah, I mean, do you really keep that around for, like, old times' sakes? Or, I mean, do you need yeah. to reference it again later? I'm pretty sure you you make note of that. and then When you die on. and your loved ones are going through your papers just to make sure everything's in order. Oh, look, here's an STD. <laughs> Grandpapa had an STD in 80? What yeah. the hell is this? Okay, Matt, where do you hide your STD papers? Where, uh, well, you know where I hide all my important papers, I think, my... You know, next to my bed on my uh, my dresser, I think. You <laughs> right know, right on I'm top. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to send them a message, exactly. If, uh, exactly. I get some lucky lady. You know, I'm footloose and fancy free. I can't be uh, yeah. having no long-term commitments at this point. So I, I like to, I like the dude's style. I'd leave it right out there. Yeah, one-stop shopping, baby. That's right. How does you get this... the whole package, including the STD. It's my gift <laughs> to you. Okay, how does this compare to the other De Palma films that you've seen, Matt? Well, you know, the last one I saw was Blowout, so and that was pretty pretty recently. Mm -hmm. um, so very similar characters and mm -hmm. a lot of similar tomfoolery, but it's definitely in the lower half for me. Um, yeah. The 
the twist I didn't think was all that great. I mean, there's some neat camera work, and certainly the museum uh, piece is is very impressive, very well done. But you're not really seeing anything here. You're not seeing anywhere else yeah. with a much better story, much more likable characters. I mean, geez, really now that I think about it, with the who do you party with question, it crystallizes how much basically you dislike everybody. I mean, yeah. the Michael Caine, Dr. Elliot character is pretty okay, but there's not a lot there. I mean, he yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of lines to begin with. Uh, I'm not frankly surprised he took it even. I mean, there's just, I guess the meat of the character is the fact that he dresses up like a woman and is attacking people. Yeah, uh, but still, it's not a that. really meaty character yeah. for uh, Michael Caine. It was kind of a really big deal uh, at the time. And, um, yeah, I I struggle with this like I struggle with all the Palma films. So because all of them seem to have these issues with him not knowing where to stop with Hitchcock, right? And he says yeah. constantly that Hitchcock is like his language for a film. You know, he uses this to tell his stories, and it's like these Hitchcock terms and this is this is how he thinks right I'm, he's not yeah. ripping off hitchcock he's he's using the hitchcock language to tell a story but you know when is enough enough I mean, yeah in black dahlia there wasn't enough of it obviously because it just bored the crap out of me but <laughs> in this, millions of other people yeah yeah in this movie you know after the first 30 minutes or so or maybe 40 minutes you're just thinking okay okay just Let's get it over with already. Here, yeah yeah and then when he pulls out the reveal and he just keeps beating psycho over the head you're just like okay okay i i get it you know you're clever it's a funny little you know his movies are almost academic in a way where he seems like this guy that that studies one thing over and over and then when he comes time to execute right it's it's completely academic and interesting but in the grand scheme of things is it something you consider a great movie you know yeah all of his movies to me are like that. I mean, Femme Fatale is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I know great. it doesn't rank high with a lot of people. No, well. Maybe Scarface is someone else's favorite, but I didn't really care as much for Scarface. This one, it, you know, it, it's it's in the middle. That that large lump in the middle of films yeah. of Brian De Palma for me, I think. It's a not horrible, but it's it's... There's very little that isn't done better elsewhere in his repertoire, uh, yeah. story-wise, certainly character-wise. Yeah. Um, there's some neat camera tricks, but again, those are on display in most of his better movies. So, right. I'll wrap uh, it up and say it like this. In this movie, the highs are high, and the lows are low, and it all evens out. And it's Bobby keeps it hanging. Bobby! Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. I, I got another question for you, then. Okay, um, hit me with it. So there's a scene, uh, I believe Ted the John, uh, if I remember correctly, was involved with some company or whatever. Uh, and Liz, our hooker, calls her broker and she wants to put, <laughs> see, she wants to buy $900 in stock, which I found hilarious. Yeah. Um, do, do people with $900 in stock, I understand $1980. worth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just so weird. $9,000, I would understand, but I think the $900 I wrote, number was weird. Anyways. I wrote down somewhere, I think, Liz is one serious business hooker. <laughs> exactly. Because she's, she's, like, getting stock tips from her John, and she's calling about it the next morning, and she's all serious about her business. You yeah. always wonder if that's, like, notes that uh, Nancy gave her husband, like, you know, I think my character should be a little smarter. You know, I think maybe I should buy some stock or something in the middle of the movie just because I'm coming off a little yeah. dumb and yeah, he yeah, is baby. showing me up. 
Yeah, anything you want, baby, as long as you're still a prostitute, okay? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you so can do anything if, you want. You just got to be a hooker, okay? That's how it's written, hooker. If you were going to buy $900 of stock and call your broker, Tom, what stock would you buy? And yes, oh, I'm looking for stock tips, basically, at this point. God, so. I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, <laughs> what's Brian De Palma's company's name again? Uh, Hitchcock Entertainment. Uh, maybe I'll buy Apple. How about that? I'll get yeah. two shares. There we go. Yeah, I know that's my problem. You say Apple or Google or something, you're going to be getting, uh, you know, Nothing. one, one, two, and two point three four shares. Right, uh, right. This is the sort of thing. There is no good answer. I just really wanted to bring up the nine hundred dollars in stock thing. Yeah, uh, we're going to you know, play in the market. I wouldn't buy Netflix because it's just too much. <laughs> Quickster. Yeah, it's uh, Hey, my Quickster stock's gone. What happened? Yeah. Okay. Um. Here, here's a, a softball, and yeah. we should have the same answer for this Lobbing one. My way, buddy. If Nancy Allen were in a film that you were casting, what role would she play? Well, obviously a, a hooker. I, mean, I, I have you... written down uh, Call Girl. So yeah, my other option would be brain close. scientist. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had uh, uh, a stockbroker as well. Uh, yeah, as, as an option. <laughs> I can see her like chewing bubble gum while doing brain surgery, and then right. like having to spit it out, but she doesn't want to use her hands, so she has one of the nurses do it. Right. I mean, we could take that, that and roll. Honestly, yeah. for the, like, uh, that one Goldie Hawn movie where she coaches the uh, the football team. Yeah, well, She'd do really well on that one. Like, yeah. come on, guys, do some push-ups. Yeah, but she'd be the hooker coach. <laughs> the right? hooker coach with a heart of gold. With a heart of gold, who's yes. a part-time coach, but a hooker after the game's over. Yeah, you know, the hooking business, I can't do it forever. I'm going to get into coaching. Yeah, a long-term solution for my investment strategies. We've done a tremendous amount of bad impressions in this one. I almost <laughs> want to apologize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Except for your uh, Sipowitz, uh, Dennis Franz, it's pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> Detective oh, Marino. I have one more for you, Tom. Yeah. And uh, Boy, this is a lot of questions. This is uh, might be the... We're dragging it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, directors married to actresses. Who's your choice? Lindsay Krause, married to David Mamet, or Nancy Allen, married to Brian De Palma? Easily Nancy Allen. At least she's easy on the eye. Whereas... Yeah, yeah. Lindsay Krause, not exactly in my wheelhouse. It's like Obviously, sandpaper on the eye. Mamet saw something there. But at least when Nancy Allen gets into her little teddy, I mean, there's some semblance of femininity and something going on there also God. when she was leaning over the desk i have written down oops a nipple hanging out <laughs> so a nip slip as they say yeah. yes if this were Lindsay cruz i would say oops my eyes are on fire <laughs> yeah. wait is that hair <laughs> damn it blu-ray <laughs> yeah, exactly. it right. is video perfection unfortunately in some circumstances this is this is gonna be the toughest question to answer Matt. Oh, wow another one damn yeah yes. this is the last question too all right i don't even know how to answer at this point but i'll figure out something which character annoyed you the most oh man what a well uh, amazingly enough it's not going to be peter uh, even though i hate the kids <laughs> I really think it's going to have to be the Nancy Allen slash Liz character. You know, Dr. Elliot, not really annoying. I don't blame the other doctor guy who explains everything, though I hate the fact that he's there. Just Nancy Allen, her not even in the story would be awesome. I'd rather a mute, a deaf mute be involved in the story. Yeah. 
Yeah. Lindsay Krause, I'd rather be in that story. Oh, God's no, sakes. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. What Both turns you real on? Real talk down. What turns you on? A mature doctorly type. <laughs> so are you going to go for the Liz as well? I mean, no, no, I'm definitely nice. not. I I stood her better in this movie than I did in Blowout, I will say. Oh, really? I, I was not nearly as annoyed by you, but, I mean, I wrote down some lines where I'm like, oh, God, it's Nancy Allen time, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> like when she's talking about, oh, I see that giant bulging cock in your pants, Doctor. Yeah, you know, that was not attractive. Yeah. What are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Um, <sighs> Dennis Franz... A close second to Peter. Ah, uh, you do you, you hate the Peter? Yeah, uh, that makes me happy a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, you know, Peter. Dennis I, I was afraid was I was going to run to a buzzsaw here where you love Peter and <laughs> he's a whiskey. He's awesome. He built yeah. a calculator or something. He reminds That's me. Cool. He reminds me of myself when I was growing up. Right. Yeah. I was building circuits in the garage and couldn't fit a car in there anymore because I had a circuit in there. (laughs) Computed binary to the 10th decimal. Wow. That's awesome. I'm glad you just liked Peter. Yeah, that was a a red flag and a half. I don't know what Palma was thinking with with the whole Peter angle. Yeah. Okay, I think think we already discussed our final thoughts. We both think it's more or less mediocre. I think if you're into Hitchcock and De Palma, it's definitely worth watching just to note the craft and the references and having fun with that. Like I said, I had five movies referenced, Rear Window, Vertigo, uh, Psycho, obviously, over and over again, Family Plot, and then loosely North by Northwest. That was my five. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, give it a shot if you're interested, but um, look elsewhere if you're just a casual fan or you're looking for a good movie or want an introduction to De Palma to see if you want to know more. This probably is going to be the best place to start. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Matt. Uh, yeah, one we don't th- know what we're doing next, but do you, uh, we're going to do another movie soon. Do you want me to pick one out of the Magic Grab Bag? Or yeah. just want to say, people, why don't you take a look at Jackass Critics on Facebook, too? figure yeah, out yeah we'll announce shortly which one we're gonna do here we'll announce shortly we will talk it over we won't just spring one on matt right here and he'll say no yeah. not a tarkovsky film yeah <laughs> so be on the lookout uh, i gotta pay the rest of my debt so i'll be writing my review for tiptoes because that was part mm-hmm. of the deal i gave my tip my uh preview here on the podcast but i'll be writing an official review I still have to do the grand celebration presentation of my 12-pack of beer to Thomas oh. uh, and finish paying off the rest of my debt here. But uh, it was a good summer blockbuster. We'll, maybe we'll do another bet for the uh, Oscars mm-hmm. or something like that, or we'll try to figure something out. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of different ideas. but Yeah, we'll at least this time on. I paid off my debt, or I'm on my way at least. I'm not deadbeat. Bobby likes it. <laughs> All right. That's, I think that's a good send-off as any. Yeah. See you later, folks. All right, see you, everybody.
Jackass.